compound growth, it does this magic thing, but there's a word that's missing. It's uninterrupted compound growth that has a dramatic effect on your wealth. But if you dogpile cash and then you don't redeploy the cash, it is compoundingly losing money. Welcome to the Get Real Podcast. Your high octane boost of full on reality therapy for personal, business, and investing success with your host, Ron Phillips, because somebody's got to tell it like it is. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Get Real Podcast. Ron Phillips and Heather Marchant here. Mm hmm. Good uh, day. It's after the holidays. I hope it was absolutely wonderful for you. I really do. It was for me. Yeah. Happy New Year, everyone. Yeah. This will be our second podcast of the new year, but man, it feels fresh and just barely, barely coming up on the new year. So, well, I spent my time holding and snuggling uh, the grandbaby, and um, <laughs> my son from Utah was home. It was amazing. So, we had the whole family there, and it was awesome. So, anyway, so exciting. Nothing like a new baby to snuggle at Christmas time. I'm telling you what. I'm telling That's... you what. Great timing. Go borrow one. Yeah, right. Snuggle down. It's really, it's really nice. Probably not the same to borrow one, but I, it's like those dogs they rent, you know, for people who want a dog, but they don't really want a dog. So if you're like, I don't really want a kid or grandkid or whatever, but you need to snuggle one, you probably just rent a baby. Find a friend, find a friend, you know, <laughs> it's a service. Snuggle a baby. I'm not sure. It's, I, guess, I guess it's technically called babysitting. So. <laughs> <laughs> just get your get yourself um, set up as on the care.com go <laughs> oh man yeah and boy so many things that could go wrong with that okay <laughs> on that lovely note let's talk about investing let's talk about investing i just literally got back from kansas city showing a property to some friends of mine and we thought we'd discuss it because it's it's interesting this is like a I wouldn't say it's a large property, but it's a bigger property than most people purchase, I think. Yeah. And it's a commercial property. And, you know, they had some questions that I think everybody listening has. So, Heather, I thought we thought it would be a great idea to just kind of dive into those and I don't know, just kind of walk through it and then walk through some other things that I don't think people are really considering right now because the media is all abuzz with, you know, oh, I don't know. It's just their nonsense. It sells, right? I mean, the nonsense drives traffic to their website. So, and look, some of it is some <laughs> of it's true, but not all of it's true. And the people reporting it, I'll just say again, the people reporting it have no idea. They can read and they look good on TV. That's pretty much. If you don't believe me, just go watch Anchorman. That's about the best. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry to anybody who does the news on. I don't. I don't think we have anybody who listens. If there is somebody who listens who's actually like a TV anchor or reporter, I'd love to know it. So you should write in and tell us. Yeah, good point. But I, you know that it's pretty much like Anchorman, where they'll read whatever's on there because sometimes they read stuff it doesn't make any sense, and then they go, "Oh yeah," and then they have to correct it because somebody wrote it in the teleprompter wrong. Yeah. True. I mean, oh, I think it's right. important to for everybody to know that you're from Kansas City, right? Ah, yes. Mm -hmm. Like born and raised, yeah. Well, outside of Kansas City, but yeah. Okay. I mean, that's where we went school clothes shopping. <laughs> All right. The All mall right, where so I went school clothes shopping doesn't even exist anymore. It's now a big, huge Walmart. Oh they man. Yeah. That's so yeah. depressing. 
Yeah, I'm with you there. So the people that you took out there to look at this property, it's a new property, right? Brand Brand new, new. leased up, which is, it's commercial. And we've talked about it in our masterclass. It's a home run deal from everything that I could see looking at all the demographics and information on the property. So, yeah. So, I mean, if you look, so one of the things that I think people, these guys included, right. They wanted to come see the area and everything like that because they, they have spent all of their investing in real estate has been done down the street in the area where they live, which is what most people teach you to do, you know? And I think that, I mean, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. There's literally nothing wrong with that. But at some point, if the returns aren't as good as you can get elsewhere, you need to expand your horizons. And that's kind of what what, what the deal was with, with this. Yeah. But they wanted they have, to see the area tens- because they're familiar with where they live and they yeah. know what you were talking about, the demographics and everything around the area, what's driving the businesses that would be in in the in the the building, leasing it, and you know, obviously concerned about whether or not those people are going to continue to pay, which I think mm-hmm. is the biggest concern. Will the business work? Um, retail gets a really bad rap. So does office. Um, You know, the the big buzzword has been industrial for so long that I think industrial is potentially overbuilt in certain areas because people have been Mm -hmm. only doing that. Um, But there's some businesses who just have to have a retail location. I mean, just have to. Yeah. You know, you can't do the business unless you have a retail location. Yeah, so true. um, That's why we went out there and toured the building. So what was their initial reaction when they saw the building? I mean, it's beautiful. Hmm. I mean, you know, you, you know, Brian, I mean, the builder in, yeah. in Kansas City builds nice stuff. Yeah. And everything around it is also equally as beautiful. The whole thing is brand new because it's a 300 acre master planned development. So everything around it is new, brand new. And so initially, yeah, they were like, man, this is really nice. I think it was nicer than they expected it to be. Hmm. And then the questions started coming, right? <laughs> Which is understandable. You know, what, what's the financials on these tenants? Like, what's their experience running these types of businesses? And who are the people who come and shop here? Mm. You know, basically, why is this thing going to succeed and not fail? That's the real root of the questions that they were answering or asking. And, you know, one of them is a, one of the tenants, the largest tenant there is kind of a high-end women's gym. So think CrossFit without the, you know, barbells and mm. all that stuff, like a, High end, I don't know, some kind of boot camp thing for it is only women, and they have um, several locations. I noticed. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and it's a chain. It was started here. It was started there in Kansas City, and then and kind of grew, and it's now nationwide kind of a thing. But hmm. that tenant, you know, if you if you actually look around the area, this is an upscale area. So the people who live there have money, hmm. and if you think about the demographic they're going after, women who generally speaking, hate going to the gym. Heather, you can attest. Yes, I do. And Heather loves working out. I do. And I hate going to the gym. Yes. And why do you hate going to the gym, Heather? The atmosphere. Ugh, I don't like it. Like, I don't ugh. like the... Like what? What, I know. what does that mean? There's a mojo. There's a everyone looking at each other. And I love... See, I love lifting weights. And I don't like being the only chick in lifting weights with all dudes. So. Yeah, and the reality is that you're not the only chick, but the ratio is off. It feels right? that way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then it's it, it, it would have to be weird as a woman lifting with all the, you know, 
testosterone yes. around you. Yes. So I, I understand. Yes. I can get that. <laughs> so there's this niche where they cater to people who want to go get fit with other people mm-hmm. and they don't want a whole bunch of dudes gawking at them. Mm-hmm. So imagine that and imagine you plop that down in an area where people have money. It kind of just works unless yeah. you screw it up. Yeah. Uh, these guys, and this is their third location, fourth location, something like that in Kansas City. So they're obviously doing it right. They're choosing the right areas. They're choosing the right demographics. If you picture this, you walk out the front door of this place, you look up the hill, there is a subdivision up there of million and a half to $3 million homes. Hmm. A pretty big subdivision. You look to your right, it's all brand new homes, you know, starting about four fifty dollars to 500000 And then it's both apartments and really, really nice condos. Like Everything around there is really nice. Lots of money. And all new. So as you look around, if you're the person who's, who's looking at this, the demographics speak for themselves. The people can afford this gym membership. Mm-hmm. And there's plenty of them. And it's the only one. Literally across the parking lot is an Anytime Fitness. They don't wow. compete. Because the people who go to Anytime Fitness are the ones who you were just talking about. Yes. They're the like that, that's I would go to Anytime Fitness. Even <laughs> if they opened that other class up to dudes, I wouldn't go. I don't want to. I don't want to go do that. I want to go yeah. put my headphones in, be by myself with other people. I don't want to communicate with you at the gym. I might look at you and say, "Oh, there's another person right there. They're in my way." <laughs> That's what I'm thinking, right? Yeah. Okay, so we're getting off of the investing topic a little bit, but you understand why this is all important to the person who would be buying this location. For sure, you have to make sure it's going to be has some staying power in a recession and. Making because really our health and exercise and fitness doesn't really go away if people, if it's expensive, maybe and you're cutting something out of your budget, but still it's something I never cut out of my budget. So (sighs) even I'll cut something else, I'll cut Netflix and all the other crap before exactly I cut my workout. Then uh, the other tenant, there's only two tenants in this building. The other tenant is a, is a like frozen yogurt shop, like a, like a shake shop kind of a thing which also seems a little rinky-dink. You know, like, how do they make any money? Well, if you just look, I don't know, three or four football fields away is the start of the ball stadiums, which we talked about too, I think on the Mm -hmm. show at some point. They made, like the builder built this incredible complex, which gets like over a million visitors. Hmm. And they're all these sporting teams that come play there. And they all go to the... They all go to the shop because it's, I mean, it's where, I mean, kids, yeah. you take your kids there to get, and you get one too, because you're there, <laughs> you know, it's got to drive through. This guy's got plenty of locations too. So obviously knows what he's doing and their financials are good. So yeah, could something go wrong? Yeah. There's risk in everything for sure. But two pretty decent businesses, An incredible location. And then it comes down to, well, what's the lease? What's the returns? They probably wouldn't have flown in if those weren't decent, but they are. So here you have a brand new building with a triple net lease. And for those of you who don't know what a triple net lease is, it basically means that the tenants are responsible for literally everything. Taxes, insurance, maintenance, everything. It's like they own it. My parents have a rental agreement like this in the house that they rent that they take care of all the maintenance and issues in the property. In their situation, they deduct it from the rent. But in this, it's like they're the owner. It's without the deed. <laughs> they, exactly. As far as the mental, yeah, yep. mentally what they pay for. 
Yep. Mm-hmm. So literally the amount of rent is your net operating income. It's the easiest calculation ever. You just simply, mm-hmm. you know, the rent divided by what you paid is your cap rate. And for those of you who don't remember, cap rate is basically the return if you paid cash. It's your, it's your cash on cash return with no financing. With the triple net lease in this example, are they also like in charge of building it out the way they want it to be and everything else? Yeah, that's so all like, negotiated up front, right? Okay. So in this particular place, yes, they did the tenant improvements. Hmm. Thank so you. Those, those are called TIs. Sometimes you'll hear them called TIs. It's called tenant improvements. But sometimes the builder will pay for them and sometimes the or the owner and sometimes they'll split them. They'll give them a certain price per square foot for tenant improvements. If they go over it, they have to pay for the overage. Mm. But in this case, they paid for their own. Wow. Awesome. And they're on long-term leases. So this, you know, if the return's good, this is a pretty good deal. And yeah. the cap rate is about six and a half percent. Okay. So that's the return. Now, some people are going, well, I mean, that's not great. Six and a half. You know, I want 20. Well, yeah, me too. Everybody wants 20. Yeah. But a 20% cap rate, I mean, on a brand new commercial building, okay. I mean, okay. You're not getting that. Well, and usually that would bring up questions. Like <laughs> if a property was performing that well, like, wait, isn't yeah. it a good no- neighborhood? Like, <laughs> I mean, anyway, good return. And then good return, well, good return in, in this market, what are we comparing the good return to? Mm-hmm. So stock market, you know, mutual funds, cash, take your pick. We could throw, you know, Bitcoin in there, I guess. It's really not fair right now. But anyway, long term, all of those investments, they don't really do any better. I mean, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but look up what income producing mutual funds actually make. They're only going to report average annual returns, which is not the, the actual return, you realize. But even that is somewhere around 7% which means you're really not getting 7%. You're getting something less than that if you take out fees and everything else. And then on top of that, Heather, you have to pay taxes on that. Yeah. Congratulations. You made 7%. Now we you need to pay taxes on that. I was saying to you this morning, I mean, it's two steps forward, one step back that your wealth creation and growing yeah. your wealth. It's really not a fair comparison because the 6.5% doesn't take into consideration that you could do a cost segregation study on that property and mm-hmm. write it off against other passive income that you may have. Yep. Because you're going to write it off against this particular income, which means you're not going to pay taxes on the income you're getting. So six and a half is straight six and a half. But in addition to that, there's there's going to be leftover. Yep. And that leftover can go against other passive income that you have. For instance, exactly. your, I mean, Anything else that's producing not portfolio income but passive income. So, <laughs> and we, I should just pause here to say that we have clients that that is their entire strategy. The cash flow is like an additional benefit that they, their only and sole reason for buying real estate is tax benefits to make money and not pay taxes on it. That that's which, their goal. Which doesn't mean you should make stupid decisions about yes. the cash flow of the property. But if you're a high income earner and you have other investments that you're constantly paying taxes on that fall into the same category, and you can eliminate them by buying a property that produces a return greater than mm-hmm. the mutual funds themselves, I'm not sure why there's even a question. Now, yeah. The next question that they asked, of course, is, well, what about managing this from a long distance? Because that's tricky. Well, 
It's easy. You get a property management company. And it's easy for the management company too. It's a triple net lease. So what are they managing? They're making sure people pay. Exactly. Yeah. And if they didn't pay, they're collecting. I mean, that's that's literally what they're doing. And if the person calls in because something is broken, they go, okay, fix it. <laughs> yeah. The Reminder. You're responsible yeah. for yeah. fixing it. So just fix <laughs> it. Yeah. Well, I think one thing you said that I think is super important is if you are going to own a property and you're going to self-manage, then that's different. Other than that, if you're going to have a property manager on a commercial property local to you, what is going to be the difference, whether it's local to you or not, right? I mean, you're going to be calling the property manager, the property manager is going to be collecting the rent. So having it be local, especially in this instance of the triple net lease, holy moly. So holy moly. I guess why we get the question, and I kind of got the question in a, in a unique way from these guys uh, a couple of months ago um, when we first started talking about this is why, why would somebody invest now? Well, there's, there's a multitude of reasons why, some of which we've talked about on the show, but let's talk about this specifically. So they're doing a 1031 exchange. They have money sitting in another property, a lot of cash because the property appreciated pretty substantially mm-hmm. since they built it. But all of that is their money. It's sitting there and it's earning, it's literally was earning almost nothing, two and a half percent. Oh, wow. Which is a great problem to have that your property has appreciated that much that there's there's so much money more than you put in it that the return has turned horrible. Mm-hmm. So can you reposition the money into another? And they had a brand new, they they built the building. So I mean, it's it was brand new as well. Can you reposition into another building that makes sense? Well, you can't really in not in not in their area. You can't, but you can in other areas. And that's why this, I think, makes so much sense. You know, taking two and a half, turning into six and a half with a whole bunch of money that you didn't really do anything. The market gave yeah. you the money. That only makes sense. Heather, what if the market didn't give you any money? It's just your money. Should should you invest? Absolutely. <sighs> I'm I mean, I we were just talking through this this morning of new construction. Out of state, of course, from where I live, because I'm buying one of these, closing on it this month, a townhome in North Carolina, $154,000 and 6.5% cash on cash. So while it's not going to make a huge impact on my monthly cash flow numbers, I have principal reduction, which we've talked about a little bit, right? That the tenant is going to pay rent. I'm going to use that rent to pay down my mortgage. And yeah, sure. The first year of owning this property, that's going to be 1100 bucks that I'm paying down principal. Not, not again, nothing that's going to break the bank. However, that's three and a half, a little over three and a half percent rate of return on my investment. Cause I only am going to put down about $30,000 on this property. So to make a thousand bucks, in a way with someone else's money, right? I can utilize those funds when I sell it or do a cash out refinance or something like that. But updating my personal financial statement every month and updating my mortgage balances as they go down with someone else's money across a portfolio gets exciting. I mean, it's you have 10 properties, each of them bring in $1,000 a year principal reduction. It just as an example, I mean, <laughs> that's exciting to grow your wealth in a really easy, passive way that way, just with someone else paying down your mortgage. 
So Yeah. So I think there's a misconception out there about compound growth in that compound growth, it does this magic thing, but there's a word that's missing. It's actually uninterrupted compound growth that has a dramatic effect on your wealth. Mm -hmm. So if you purposefully interrupt it and take your money and put it into cash, gearing up for something that may or may not happen, that you may or may not be able to take advantage of, interrupts your compounded growth. And it starts you in a compounded situation the opposite way. Because right now, cash is losing value at a pretty hot clip. Yeah, It also compounds over time. Remember we talked about the compounding nature of debt versus inflation? Yeah, that it has this inverse relationship where inflation actually makes the debt less expensive. Well, that's what happens to you if you put your money in cash. Yep. Now, let me be clear. I just want to make sure I'm clear. Somebody's going to listen to this and go, yeah, Jeff, have cash, Ron. You'll be able to take advantage of, of, of all the opportunities that are coming up. I get it 100%. So set some aside. But if you dogpile cash over here mm-hmm. and take it out of all of your investments and then you don't redeploy the cash, it is compoundingly losing money right now. That's what's happening with it. Yep. So this is the Get Real Show. So what, what am I doing right now? And how would I get ready to take advantage of something that's going on in the market? Well, that's a fantastic question. What if I deploy all of my money now, all of my cash, except for the reserves that I've got sitting over here and maybe a little bit of a cushion that makes me feel super comfy? And I don't have as much you know, for a year from now, if everything falls apart, goes to hell, and there's this awesome buying opportunity, what then? Well, I'll tell you exactly what I will do. I will go find investors that don't know how to do this. I will pool their money together, and I will go buy properties if I'm out of my money. And here, I, let, me, let me tell you something I guarantee. Even if I dogpiled my money all, now, some of you may have the misconception that I'm so uber wealthy that it doesn't make, I could just buy everything that comes across my desk as soon as the you know, crap hits the fan. I don't need anybody else's money. And that's such crap. And everybody online who is telling you that they're piling up their cash for this onslaught, they're going to be out of, if, if this happens anywhere even close to what happened in 2008, they're going to be out of money in three months. Yeah. Their personal funds are going to be shot. They're going to be gone. Because no one has that much money. Yeah. So how do we actually take advantage of it, Heather? Well, there, there's so... I love that idea of you know lo- leveraging other people's money. And I think that that's something you can educate yourself and prepare for that could yield more dividends than just keeping your cash in the bank. Um, I keep a lot of my cash, most of it, in whole life insurance policies so that I have them actually making some money versus just sitting there um, losing yeah. money, uh, which is worth still, great Heather, well, Let's say that I've got $20 million, okay, which is way above the average yeah. uh, American. W- like way, way, way above the, uh, the average American. Let's say I've got $20 million, okay? And the crap hits the fan. And I want to deploy that $20 million into properties that I can buy for 60 cents on the dollar. Mm-hmm. Let's say 50 cents on the dollar. Make the math super easy. I can buy a $200,000 house for $100,000. Yeah. And I have $20 million. How quickly am I going to be able to deploy $20 million into $100,000 houses or $200,000 houses? Yeah. 
You'll there's a finite number I can buy. Yeah. And then what? And then what? Then what I heard in 2008 before was, oh, I should have stockpiled more. You know, I should have just had more and more and more cash on hand because they even if they took advantage of some, I heard all the time people saying, oh, if only, you know, if only I had even more cash available to me. Right. And and let's let's just be frank. Most people that are listening to this show and most people out there, period, whether they're professionals, you know, they're upper income. Most people don't have more than five million dollars just sitting in cash. Mm -hmm. Most people have less than a million. Let's call it a million. And you just sit on it for the next God knows how many years. And let's just, let's call it three because you've already sat on it for a year. You're going to sit on it for another couple waiting for this huge drop in real estate that may or may not even come. Yeah. (laughs) Because you don't know and I don't know. Okay. During those three years, your million dollars, the first year is going to lose at least 10%, right? So y'all are quick at, y'all are quick at math. What's the 10% number? How much money did you lose on a million bucks? Yeah. hundred grand. Okay. It's depressing. Then the next year, then the next year, this is how the compounded nature works. The next year, your money that was a million is now worth 900,000. Now it's going to lose another 10%, 10% off of the 900,000. Yeah. So you lose another 90. Do, do keep going. That's, that's what's happening to your money right now. So in my humble opinion, it is better to be actively investing the money so that you're not losing money and then figuring out a way to actually take advantage of the market conditions. Because if you only have a million dollars, you're not going to be able to take advantage much of what's going to happen anyway, Yeah. if, if it happens. And if it does, and it only uses, loses 20% instead of 50%, which is probably more likely, especially in any of the markets that we would, you would be buying right now. Well, right now we're already seeing builders discount 10, 15, almost yeah. that much. Yeah. Plus you can get the return. Plus you can not pay taxes on it. Plus somebody can pay the mortgage off for you all while you wait. It doesn't make any sense, people. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And then, go, oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I'm off like, my soapbox for a second. It gets us both a little bit riled up, I think. Um, I just remember... All the times we would meet with investors in 2008 to 2012-ish timeline and say like there was the same kind of fear, even though everything was on sale, there was still a fear like, well, what if it's not the bottom yet? I mean, you can save your cash right now and stockpile it and say, oh, I can't, I'm going to wait until you know everything starts coming down. But we still had people in those meetings that would say, well, what if it keeps going down? What if it's not the bottom yet? I mean, yeah, and name an investment where I can't do devil's advocate to it all day long. Yes. Yes. Pick, just pick one. Yeah. I can devil's advocate until you're really, you're ready to go. Oh yeah. I don't, I don't want to ever invest in that thing. I could do it to anything. Yeah. Anything. I mean, we had fourplexes at what were they, Ron? Like twenty-ish percent cash on cash return, new construction in a fantastic market. And I still remember all of the fear of like, oh, I don't know, I don't know if it's Those a good idea. I yes. remember buying properties in Florida for literally less than half of what it costs to build them, mm-hmm. and people were scared to buy them. So. This is all an emotional roller coaster and and I'm just I'm just telling you that the actual math doesn't lie. 
Mm-hmm. And this perceived, I'm going to miss out on something huge. Find another way to take advantage of that so that you don't interrupt your compounded growth. Yes. It doesn't make any sense to interrupt compounded growth for something that may not ever happen. Oh my gosh. Yes. We should just and like have that. Especially for the amount of money. Let's just be honest now for the amount of money that you actually have sitting there. Because while I'm not going to state that family offices never listen to this show, my guess is that the majority of the people who are listening to this don't have family office type cash just sitting there. And incidentally, the family offices and hedge funds are all still buying. Yeah, I, I'm going to add one thing too, is that we I talked to a client last, or I guess it was two weeks ago, just before Christmas. And he said to me, I lost my job. Like the worst timing, right? He's mm-hmm. under contract for real estate. He didn't know what he was going to do. We have an awesome lender who walked him through everything, right? And he had enough passive income from real estate to buy the property. So if we're looking at opportunity in the future, that was the other thing that was caused fear for people and does a bit right now is like, well, what if? What if I lose my job? What if I have some uncertainty in my income in some way or another? He overcame it by not by not sitting still and having more and more real estate over the last several years. He he um I think he texted me and just like so excited. Like, wow, I was able to qualify and buy real estate with financing without a job. He's like, I am so pumped. It's exciting. And the freedom that that offers to take advantage of opportunity potentially versus sitting still, hanging on to Yeah. So I don't know. I hope that helps you guys out. I mean, I I just I'm meeting and talking with investors. The questions and the concerns that investors have right now are logical. They're not something that you should dismiss if you have them. Mm-hmm. It just means that you need to think about investing in a different, unique way. Ask appropriate questions like these guys did yesterday. They were great questions. Ask the questions. Yes. And then listen to digest the answers and see if they make sense. That, that's the only thing that you can do in these situations. And then I just love just compare them to other things and be honest about what we're comparing them to. Because I love it. Day traders like to compare all investments to their best day in day trading and eliminate all of their losses. Yeah, true. Well, that's what mutual funds do mm-hmm. when they report their numbers. So when you actually look at your statement, instead of just looking at the return they're telling you, do the math from what you put in what you have now, and then divide it out over the number of years it's been in there. Get your mm-hmm. own real return. Because my guess is it's not going to be what they're reporting to you. Mm-hmm. And let's also be fair about the investments. If we're talking about mutual funds versus real estate, well, let's be fair. Are you in a growth mutual fund or are you in an income producing mutual fund? Because real estate does both. So. Yep. Let's do apples to apples comparisons, okay? Don't tell me about your growth fund that does 12% because I can kill 12% with growth in real estate. We just throw that out the window unless the market gives it to us. You guys who are all on the mutual fund train, that's all you ever talk about as return is growth. 
and you you throw out the years that don't do very well and do an average annual return, right? Yep. Real estate people don't get to do that. We don't get to throw them out. And we just have to report them. But the thing that nobody ever reports on real estate is what happened during those average annual return years where we didn't do so hot. Well, we got cash flow, we got somebody paying down our mortgage, and we got tax benefits to boot, none of which the mutual fund growth stock or the growth mutual fund got. And then the income producing mutual fund didn't really get any growth. They got income and those don't return as well. So let's just all be, when we're doing the comparisons, let's just be fair about the comparisons here. And anytime you do a fair comparison, it doesn't even come close And if you take nothing Mm -hmm. else away from today's show, uninterrupted compound growth is the key. Interrupted compound growth, you start over. Mm -hmm. Oh, so good. And on that happy note, (laughs) get out there and make something happen. This has been the Get Real Podcast. To subscribe and for more information, including a list of all episodes, go to GetRealEstateSuccess.com.